As I think about you know some of our challenges, uh, one we always think about talent and how are we developing you know the leaders of tomorrow. And I think it's something I love about Miami. For whatever reason, somebody walks out of Miami, and I I, I say this, it's a bit slang, but they can you know walk, talk, and chew gum, and that's a pretty impressive set of characteristics. I know it's much more sophisticated than that, but there's something, there's a spirit about our Miami grads, and very early on, we want to pour some water on them and watch them grow. Spence Styles oversees Stryker's joint replacement, trauma, extremities, and spine business. But I'll tell you, the title doesn't do him justice. He is laser-focused on helping people get healthier, developing leaders, and giving back. We spent a lot of time in the pod talking about the power of Miami and what it meant to him personally. And with the 70-plus alumni that are working today at Stryker, and even a group alumni session with Miami professors he hosted in Kalamazoo just a few months ago. He is passionate about being fully present in what you do, taking risks and adventures, finding a passion, and chasing what really matters in life. I'm thankful that our dear mutual friend and fellow Miami alum, John Heinrichs, connected the dots. The Miami Network continues to thrive. Yeah, my original connection to Miami was uh, through my older brother's best friend, and it didn't have anything to do with Stryker, but I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I was thinking about college, and I suppose if I closed my eyes at that point in my life and I thought of what college looks like, when I rolled into the campus in Oxford, Ohio, and opened up my eyes, boom, that's exactly what I imagined. And uh, and somewhat fell in love with the, the aesthetics and the physical beauty, and then as I got to meet some of the people, uh, I knew this is where I wanted to go to school. And my brother's best friend, this, this older person I looked up to, a mentor, gentleman's name is Scott DeGrave. I, I thought the world of him and he was at school there. And I said, I want to, I want to join uh, the Miami team and was lucky enough to do so. Uh, at the tail end of my four years in Oxford, as all things uh, do, they happen in this serendipitous fashion. Uh, a younger fraternity brother of mine, John Heinrichs is uh, his older brother had a friend that uh, was going to be on campus and was interviewing. And I, I graduated in the height of the economic prosperity, I mean, I had 10 plus job offers. Wow. Uh, the economy was roaring. It was, it was awesome. Um, yet, uh, I decided one day to go over and sit down with a gentleman who was in town from this medical device company called Strikers. Very small at the time, uh, about a billion dollars in sales. Um, and he was looking for somebody that wanted to take on uh, additional responsibility, uh, travel, interact with customers and create growth and value for this company. And, and I said, sign me up. Uh, interestingly, they actually, the connection came to two of us, uh, a fraternity brother of mine and myself and said, Hey, we both want you to come have, um, have this cup of coffee, so to speak. And at the end of it, I'm the one who got the job offer. Um, and I still, re- I was not looking for the job. And, uh, I remember the, those tough conversations you have with dear friends. You say, hey, I'm going to run out this. I'm going to sign up for it. And, uh, the rest is history. I've been here ever since. Stay there for a second. So 10 offers economies booming, but obviously you've got talent for companies to see something in you. And you just listed a few pretty exciting uh, opportunities that one could do at the age of 21, 22 years old in terms of direct relationships with customers, travel, et cetera. I imagine you had some of that uh, in those other offers too. So go deeper. What do you think it was that put you over the top that said, of all these offers, I want Striker? Yeah, but, and it's interesting, it's come sort of full circle. I'm not sure I 
put the same value on it that I do in my career now, but the mission and the purpose and the noble cause of the work we do, which is truly making healthcare better. It's solving these big issues in healthcare uh, through products and services. I think that's what um, drove me towards saying, hey, I want to be part of that. Uh, there was both the feeling of the people, so this, this um, uh, feeling of culture when you talk to somebody and what they act like and their behaviors, but on top of that, the ability to go out and uh, do something noble like making healthcare better and, and being inside the operating room and talking to very bright, talented surgeons about their challenges and then working with engineers to solve those problems and then marketing and selling those products was really, I go, this is, this is a, an ideal opportunity. And I always say, I, I still today, my wife and I talk about it, I say, I'm, I'm super blessed and, and very lucky. I, I won the lottery in the fact that I just happened to pick that particular job. Uh, you know, as we joke, David, I, another offer I had was ironically from Lippert Components. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Jason's another extremely successful Miami grad, and, and I know his family, and they've done very well. But they're in the RV business. Well, that's dramatically different than walking into an operating room and talking about a, a total knee and making sure somebody gets a brand new knee, your mom or dad, and they're walking again. So I think that's the, the draw that, that brought me to Stryker and why it's kept me here. And so same company for 20 years, unusual. I've been at Octagon for 20 years. <clears throat> pretty unusual uh, in today's age to do something like that. How do, how do you learn and refresh being with the same company for 20 years? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question and a, uh, and a really neat set of experiences that I've been able to be a part of. Over those 20 years, the company's grown significantly. As I mentioned, roughly a billion when I started to, will uh, we'll exceed roughly 15 billion this year. So pretty good, pretty good growth rate over those 20 years. And with that has come tremendous opportunity. There's been new businesses, new divisions, uh, new roles, obviously, new sets of responsibilities. And what's really neat about a growth company, a company that's really founded in, in uh, the oxygen of growth for the organization, is new opportunities present themselves. And if you have that adventurous spirit and you don't mind being uncomfortable, you raise your hand. You say, I, I want to give that a shot. And look, they haven't all gone perfectly, but that's allowed, I think, uh, eight moves, physical moves with my uh, now wife of 17 years plus three kids along that journey. And uh, so lots of moves, uh, lots of different parts of Striker. And so you asked, how do you learn and grow? Well, each one of these new businesses, divisions, market segments, they do have some um, differences, a different feel, different look, maybe a different customer set, obviously different portfolios. And that's allowed a tremendous amount of development and growth. And it's one of the things I, I stay at Striker for is – you know, each each month, each quarter, each year, there, there's new challenges to tackle. Uh, and that's, you know, that's really fulfilling. It's tough, but it's really fulfilling as well. And you talk about challenges or risks and adventure. <clears throat> did, you, did you always have that spirit? Or is there something along the way that made you more comfortable or you uh, thirsted for it? You know, I think, I think it's something that I've gotten more comfortable with over time. Um, but... Early days, even as a kid growing up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and not really knowing anybody and going to school in Miami, which was about an eight or nine hour car ride away, uh, that was a big risk. Yeah. And that was the start of it. And then, uh, you know, I walked into my, my freshman dorm in Morris Hallway and I didn't have a roommate. It's, it's, it, was, it was a tough first day at, in Oxford because <laughs> I'm going, you know, back then uh, we didn't have 
the Facebook connections or anything like this. I was hoping the one person I'd go have lunch with would be my roommate and they, and they never showed up. <laughs> that, so did you have a room of two and, and that person didn't show? Yeah. So I via mail back then we exchanged, you know, who your roommate was. My roommate was supposed to come from Georgia. So here's a kid from Wisconsin, a kid from Georgia, a match made in heaven, right? Well, that, that person never showed up. Wow. Uh, and so for about uh, two or three days, I was roommate less until they found somebody else. But th- that was a tough, that was a tough first day. Cause I had to walk across the hallway and pick my head into the room and say, Hey guys, I'm Spence. And, uh, I'm from Green Bay and they were all from St. Louis or Chicago or, and they're like Green Bay, you know, I was probably wearing jean shorts or something for goodness sake. Uh, uh, but it was, it was a step in that, it was a step in that confidence of, of taking a risk and looking at life a bit as an adventure. I did it again in my junior year. I, I went on semester at sea and back then the program was, was still, um, less marketed than maybe it is today. And, you know, we went on a ship that went around the world and you'd stop at these amazing spots all over. And it was probably one of the greatest growing experiences of my life in a, in a, in a short three and a half months. Um, but you know, what you saw and what we experienced and what we felt and smelled and all these crazy things that we experienced really sort of challenged my lens of the world. Um, and I think that helped again, as I think about risk and, and adventure, even taking a job with Stryker, Stryker was not a household name. It's still probably not on the forefront of everybody's mind. If we think of it in comparison, to, I don't know, Nike or some other major brand out there. Uh, so I, I packed up my suitcases and I got on a plane one day and I flew to California to start my new job. And I didn't know anybody. And, um, all that, I think built that confidence and, and willing to take some risk and, and wanting to stretch yourself and, and it's okay to feel uncomfortable. I have to tell you, David, I remember I, I landed in San Jose, California. That was where the, my first job was with striker in the Bay area. So pretty, pretty hot dynamic time in the late nineties there. And, uh, <laughs> it was the first time in my life. I went to a movie by myself <laughs> uh, and maybe, maybe people listening to this would be like, Oh yeah, I do that all the time. I don't know. I, 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 I like people. I like being around people. So, I remember going to the movie. I don't remember which one it was by myself. And I was like, this is terrible. <laughs> I'm never doing this again. Uh, but I think it's, it's all part of that growth and learning that you, that you have to go through. And, and I, you know, I, that's why I love Miami. You look back on what that's provided and, and sort of both the, uh, obviously the mental and social skills that provided me to, to think through this stuff has been really valuable. I've always felt that the person that ends up going to Miami already is the person that likes challenges and risk <clears throat> adventure because as we shared earlier, you're not in a downtown city. I mean, you're, you're 45 minutes away from real cities and while you're 18, you don't say in a college essay, Oh yes, I like adventures, risks, uh, and challenges. Cause you don't, you, you don't think and process it that way, but the person that's willing to go to Miami has it because if you weren't, you, you would get off the airport in Cincinnati and drive an hour and say, I can't believe it's this far from anything. Uh, That's right. That's right. So I think the, uh, I've always felt that the, the kid that goes, you, me, and, and thousands and thousands of others already have it in you. And then it's the university and the academia and the friendships that help steer that and grow opportunities for you. Yeah. Totally agree. And that's, and these are these people that you meet along your journey. Uh, they, they become lifelong friends and it's pretty neat to see 
I'm always so grateful that these friends of mine that I still stay in close contact with, they've all gone on to, to make the world a better place. They're successful and they're contributing members of society and they're doctors and lawyers and running X, Y, and Z. And I, I, I take great pride in going, man, whatever, whatever we were drinking uh, at Miami, water at times, maybe a cold beer occasionally as well. It, it did us well, right? It did us really well. So, Yeah. And go back to your semester at sea. Is there one particular cultural moment or country or uh, moment that you remember that really opened your eyes to w- what the world is and, and where we can go? <clears throat> well? Yeah, I, I have a few, uh, but I'll narrow in, which was probably the most um, probably the hardest one to make sense of at the time, but I think it's provided a, a really healthy lens uh, for the diversity of the world. And we arrived in Egypt, um, in Cairo, and part of that particular uh, ship ported the Suez. That was sort of the attraction. And as we pulled into Cairo, you go, wow, what an amazing spot. And we spent the day in Cairo and went to the pyramids and the age and the history. And the next day we went down to Luxor which Luxor's split into two sort of cities. There's the Nile that runs through the city. One side's the city of life, the other side's the city of death. And a a crew of my friends and I were on a tour bus uh, seeing some of the sights on the city of life. And we crossed over the Nile after the morning and we're pulling in to the city of dead. So the other side of the river, and all of a sudden we saw all this chaos erupting as we were pulling into this um, sort of tourist spot where the buses line up. And you can see up in the uh, up in the mountains, little poofs of smoke, poof, 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 poof. And uh, out of the mountains were coming extremists, and they were shooting at the tourists. And in that day, they ended up killing. Uh, this was in nineteen ninety, the fall of nineteen ninety seven. They ended up killing um, thirty plus German tourists, and sort of in front of us. Uh, now, I had some friends. No one got hurt uh, that was on our program. I had some friends though that that were actually went to the city of the dead first and they were hiding behind trash cans or the, you know, the, the little rest stop area. And they were trying to seek cover. And then the police came and the military came and, and uh, we, we felt safe and protected. But I, I remember trying to make sense of it at that age. You're, you're, you feel invincible at age 20 at age. I was 20. I just turned 21 actually on the trip. And, uh, and, a, and an event like that, seeing it firsthand, um, you know, really stretches your mind to think, man, why, why would somebody, uh, want to do something. And I, I never advocate wanting to hurt anybody. Uh, but at the same time, things such as freedom, freedom to believe, freedom to talk, freedom to live, freedom to move. Uh, those look one way in our culture and society. If you're an American, they look completely different if you're in another part of the world. And that was some of the learning and growing um, that I had to make sense of. And it's, I think it served me well. Uh, even now, I, I work in a global organization and we're all over the world all the time. And uh, it helps me, I think, have a greater appreciation for some of the realities of a, of a global economy and even just a global environment. Uh, but it was a pretty moving experience for sure. Well, yeah, that, that is incredibly moving. The, I'm a creature of habit, so I've lived in the same home for 20 years. I, 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 could <laughs> I have no not, clue what that's like. Yeah, I mean, eight, not, nothing, eight, yeah. eight physical moves for you. <laughs> but, but along the same lines, when I was in Miami, I – no way could I have gone to semester at sea or to Luxembourg. I didn't have it in me. I, I loved the fraternity. I, I couldn't feel, I couldn't leave them for a moment, but, but every single person I have talked to that has done semester at sea, Luxembourg or wherever they've gone on an international trip, hundred percent 
greatest experience. There's, yeah, there's, greatest experience. Yeah, Ch- changed my life. Yeah. Changed my life. Yeah, that, no doubt about it. Hands down. And and you know now, <laughs> as you said, three kids and twenty years later, and same with me. You don't have the ability. You'll, you don't have that bil- ability ever again until you retire. And if yep. you're fortunate enough to retire and you're young enough and you're able to do it, wonderful. But to take advantage of something like that between the ages of 18 and 22, when your only other responsibilities are classwork, it's something that seems uh, a smart move for many. Oh, goodness. And I think what's interesting, you're, you know, you're trying to still make sense of the world. And those are some pretty formidable years that you're uh, creating opinions, biases, all these things. And I, I think having that uh, opportunity to see the world and, and see some different places and different cultures and different behaviors um, has to be taken advantage of for sure. I, I'm hoping my children have that same opportunity someday. I, I'm a Miami merger. So my wife went to Miami and uh, <clears throat> we started dating more seriously, I guess our sophomore year after we were set up on a blind date. Uh, but she, she went on um, a program over the summer and they, you know, they ended, I, you know, I, mine was a, I actually think mine was true education on semester at sea. They, they gallivanted through Europe and then they spent like two and a half weeks in the Greek Isles on sailboats, which I, that sounded more Miami to me, quite frankly. Uh, <laughs> but she and I both talk and just say it is, it's allowed us to have a different perspective on things. And still today we try to pack up the three kiddos and, and we go to faraway places in the world and we try to show our and expose our kids to these things just to, to really give them the, the uh, opportunity to see a bit more than maybe what they normally would have seen. So it's a cool opportunity for sure. Yeah. So you talk, you, you talked there about how your kids can learn and you've learned within the organization, making those, those moves and raising your hand. How do, how do you learn on a daily basis outside of striker? Yeah. Uh, wonderful question. Um, I've tried to be intentional about it. Uh, so I think one of the things about learning is, is you actually have to dedicate time and or energy and probably both, uh, to pushing yourself, uh, to thinking, to learning, uh, well beyond quote unquote, the classroom, which, which that would be my job. So I actually block time to do things such as read, uh, potentially listen, I, uh, I at least once a year, if not twice, try to dedicate uh, days in succession where I might go away. I might attend a course. Uh, I've, I've probably gone to an accelerated or advanced learning or adult learning um, program. I don't know, uh, almost 15 of the 20 years that I've been in, in the professional workforce. Um, and really, I, I think you have to keep learning. I sort of look at it like growth. If you're not, you're dying. And there's new ways to think, new ways to to um, to push, new ways to challenge, and I think it's something you have to be intentional about and build it into uh, your schedule, build it into your curriculum, uh, however you want to say it. But that's how I try to do it for sure. And speaking of learning and growing, this fall I think you had a a number of Miami professors and a, a, a bunch of Miami alumni at Stryker get together. So well, tell me about that and what you guys accomplished and did and who was there. Yeah, it was a really cool event and uh, we were, we were proud of it. It was the first that we pulled together like this. And it was with some of our, our great Miami alum that work at Stryker, a gentleman named Scott Sagehorn, John Heinrichs and, and many others that were involved. Um, but we, we looked across striker and we try to keep track of how many Miami alum are there. And it's in the seventies, someplace wow. like that seventies plus or minus 
the majority of those are based in the U.S. Uh, and they vary all different roles from running businesses to entry level. And we invited them all to beautiful Kalamazoo, Michigan, which actually in the summer it's gorgeous. Uh, so we were selling them a little bit on, on, you know, the idea of living in, in the Midwest. And it's one of the reasons we like Miami grads, that that's not a foreign concept to them. Uh, but we, we do have sites all over the world, but we said, Hey, come on into Kalamazoo. Let's spend a, an afternoon together, an evening together, and then, uh, spend some time the next day talking about, uh, what's going on at Stryker and what's going on at Miami and what more we can be doing together. And it was great. We invited, uh, some of the leadership from the university, Wayne Spear came, Kirk Bogard came, a few of the others, uh, and they kept us uh, on our on the edges of our seat talking about the realities of what the workforce looks like tomorrow and their needs and their desires and the recruitment process and what what somebody graduating from college is looking for today. And that was that was awesome for us to hear. Uh, at the same time, it was really great to network across the striker landscape of all these alum. And what's cool when you get a group of Miami people together, it's literally like there's a different nomenclature. <laughs> there are term, we had some, we had a few people sitting in the audience that day that were not Miami grads. And I'm not, it, it's almost like it's a different language. <laughs> uh, slant walk, high street, beta bells, up, uptown, bagel and deli, you know, all these slang terms, acronyms. And, you know, it, it's really, uh, it's fun. And your mind almost clicks back to the days of, of walking the, the, uh, the streets of Oxford. Um, and it's, it's a pretty cool connection that you have that you carry forward with, with, uh, with you for the rest of your life and career. Uh, so it was an awesome event. So the first time we did this, we hope to do some more and getting this group together. And, and what's also neat is it's, for somebody like me, it exposes me to some talent in the organization. Maybe I wouldn't have a chance to interact with, uh, but it was really, really an awesome opportunity for us. Mm. And after 20 years at Stryker and a number of different jobs, you've got, you've got a big task ahead of you just in your, your professional role. What, what keeps you up or uh, keeps you moving every day in the job? Yeah. yeah as I think about you know, some of our challenges, uh, one, we always think about talent and how are we developing you know, the leaders of tomorrow. And I think it's something I love about Miami for whatever reason, somebody walks out of Miami and I, I, I say this, it's a bit slang, but they can, you know, walk, talk and chew gum. And that's a pretty impressive set of characteristics. I know it's much more sophisticated than that, but there's something, there's a spirit about our Miami grads. And, uh, and very early on, we want to pour some water on them and watch them grow and see if we can continue to develop talent. And I, I think it is a real challenge of our future because of our growth trajectory, our expectations, the demographics, and we need people with great experience sets, great critical thinking skills. Um, we need their, their intellect, their smarts. Uh, and that's a huge opportunity, I think, for our organization and probably most, the war of talent. But other thing that's, <clears throat> that's changing rapidly around us is technology and the shift and uh, really the change and the pace of change that technology is creating uh, in all of our lives and then how that impacts various sectors, various businesses and how you make sense of it. So not only you have this massive changing technology landscape, then you need the talent that understands how to take advantage of it, utilize it, leverage it and find that in your organization. And that's another area we're spending more and more time with. I credit Miami. I remember I went back and was listening to the business school uh, thoughts on their updated curriculum. They actually started teaching code and I don't remember what code they're teaching, but as part of the core curriculum in the business school, your freshman year, you have to take a coding class. And I was like, hip, hip, hooray. How wonderful for those students to have some of the, that basic understanding. Cause so many of our 
our products, goods, and services these days have a tie to technology, software, systems, robots, you name it. And I think that's a that's a big opportunity and, and challenge for all of us as, as we think about growing our businesses in the future. And to the 21-year-old kid going on semester at sea here, maybe senior year or just living in Oxford, what are the one or two things you tell them about what the next one, five, 50 years are going to be like in their life? Uh, well, number one, I'd tell them be fully present in whatever they're doing. Uh, I call it being here now, you know, be here now. So, uh, not to look too far ahead because living in the moment is probably the best thing you can do at that age. Uh, cause there'll be great opportunities in front of them, no matter what. Uh, I do think, after they, uh, after they take the step into the workforce, uh, I think I, they have to find something, and I don't think this has changed in 20 years, they have to find something they truly love and that they have passion for. Uh, my passion is in healthcare. My passion is in, in the, the humanity of it all and trying to help somebody that doesn't feel well feel better. Um, but that's just my passion. I know there's lots of people out there that do lots of amazing things to make the world turn. And finding whatever that passion is. And I, I try to stress, and it's, again, these are, these are old comments that have stood the test of time, but don't chase the money. Don't chase the title. Don't chase any of that stuff. You know, be authentic to yourself and, and chase what truly matters. Uh, and it, and it'll, you'll find your path. And you'll be more fulfilled and, and happier. Uh, and really, that's what we're, we're trying to accomplish. And then I'd, I'd tell them, too, that... Um, I think all of us, you know, as Miami grads, as stewards of our communities, we, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to give back. We have a responsibility to, to make our organization stronger, our community stronger, our family stronger. Uh, and maybe I'm a bit utopian when I think of these things, but um, I think that's part of our calling. And, uh, you know, that we say for love and honor. And part of that means you've got to go out and, and try to make the world a little better place. And, Heck, if we can rally all of our Miami alums and all of our students and, and future students to do that, it, we, we can definitely make this place a little better. Thank you, Spence, for taking the time and sharing your vision. All students can learn from many of his points. I did. I scribbled down a lot while talking. Wishing everyone a great 2020 year ahead. I'll see you all at Skippers. <laughs>